0: There's a perception in information security that if you're serious about working in the field, then you must have a computer science degree. Well, you don't. I'm not gonna knock people with those formal degrees. They're very good at what they do, but often the requirements that you see on a job application, well, they exclude a great number of otherwise qualified people from applying for InfoSec jobs. And when you think about it, Criminal hackers, they don't necessarily have years of formal education. In fact, the word hack simply means to take things apart. Anyone could do that. And sometimes finding a flaw in a website, well, it can be as simple as randomly striking keys on a keyboard. So, it can be argued that those who guard against that should be formally educated and knowledgeable. And again, I do think it's important that we have people who are CS degreed but I'm not formally trained yet I'm knowledgeable and I'm even experienced so to prove that to the world I felt I needed to get a certification my CISSP cert is the product of studying and a lot of hard work for example I didn't take a professional CISSP course although it was advised at the time nor did I even sign up to do any online study no, I simply bought Sean Harris's massive CISSP all-in-one exam guide and read through it. Not once, twice. Then I sat down and I took the test and hoped for the very best. I passed. So, ask me anything about RAID servers. Go on. I'll wait. There are other tests beyond the CISSP exam. One of which is the Offensive Security Certified Professional, or OSCP, exam, which provides the basics for becoming a professional pen tester. So, you may not have a CS degree, but you will definitely need the OSCP cert to get work professionally hacking for a living. In a moment, I'll introduce you to someone who not only got his OSCP cert, but also started to give back to the community by teaching others and even creating some tools necessary to get through the exam. Whether or not you're interested in taking the OSCP, I hope you'll stick around. Welcome to The Hacker Mind, an original podcast from For All Secure. It's about challenging our expectations about the people who hack for a living. I'm Robert Famosi, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about web application security, in particular, how to pen test it, and some of the training and certifications you might want to get if that's something that you might want to do for a living. <gasps> so when you look at a web page, you probably just think it's a web page. It's not very interesting. If I want information, I'll fill out a form. Well, that's not necessarily true. The web page has a lot of information going back and forth between the server and you, and therefore it's a point of entry for someone who's malicious. So in order to get to that good stuff, let me introduce my guest, his title, and where he works. We can just use Tiberius, just um,
1: fine. I guess just <laughs> a penetration tester at White Oak Security we're a relatively small company uh based out of Minnesota uh, but pretty much uh completely remote team super talented <laughs> group of people honestly like one of the best places I've worked everyone, everyone there is is just top of their game and pretty much we are, we are, we only try and hire the best uh, so pretty much everybody there is like a, a senior level and yeah we uh <laughs> check us out at whiteoaksecurity.com do a various range of pen tests like web apps internals red teams um, social engineering etc so that is another a good thing about White Oak is you know first day they ask me you know which, which tests do you want to
0: be on and I'm like just give me all the web apps and I'll be fine <laughs> so as I said web application security is very interesting on its own for one thing websites yes websites they're vulnerable and there's a variety of ways to do it, such as code injection, where a criminal can have their code run in place of the legitimate code. There's cross-site scripting, where a criminal hacker can manipulate the URL of a site to load malicious code. And then there's cross-site request forgery, also known as one-click hack, where the URL parameters are again also manipulated. So perhaps we should get some definitions. What is a web application versus an API?
1: A lot of web applications these days, the the modern kind, obviously use APIs in the background. You have basically single page web apps or SPAs uh, where you effectively just load a load of JavaScript and then everything happens on the same page just
0: via background API calls using AJAX. Single page apps or SPAs are dynamic pages that use CSS to control the elements that appear on your browser. Instead of a static HTML page, SPA's use JavaScript to react to various inputs. This, of course, can cause some problems. One is search engine optimization, although Google has worked through that. The other is that the page is still vulnerable to cross-site scripting, and that's something that a good pen tester should be able to find. But in
1: terms of what web, apps, what web application security means to me, um, I always define it in, in terms of the, the movement of information. Um, and ultimately, protecting user information. So, honestly, every every single kind of web app is just a portal to information.
0: Yeah, this is a good definition. It's one that allows for a lot of leeway. Ultimately, it is information security. So, yeah, the flow of information is always what's going to be important. And so, you can do various things with that
1: information. And obviously, the the major things we're talking about are, are kind of with the the CIA. Um, sort of triangle, right? Confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So you want to make sure that only uh, people with actual, um, only only the people um, who have proper permissions to access the information can access it, right? That's like confidentiality. At the same time, you want to make sure that nobody can change the information without having the proper permissions. Uh, And finally, obviously, you want to make sure that you know, if you can access that information, you should always be able to access the information. Um, and so that's really how I kind of see, how I try and frame every single uh, kind of uh, security like issue in terms of web apps. Uh, it's effectively, what can an attacker do to the information that's being stored in this web app?
0: And that's where Tiberius gets to be creative, where he gets to play the bad actor and try to manipulate the data. Now, that sounds like a job that I'd like to have. So how does one get started down that path? I've been in the industry over 10 years now. Um,
1: first two years of that, I was, I was you know, a, a junior doing absolutely everything. Um, but I I had a, a slight background in, in, in web development, sort of from a personal level. And so I was kind of drawn more to that side of things. Um, and ultimately, that's where I decided, you know, uh, In in my opinion, if you're going to be a pen tester, you you can go one of two ways. You can either be a kind of of jack-of-all-trades and and, and be pretty good at a a variety of things, uh, or you can focus on one area and just become a subject matter expert in that particular field.
0: The former seems to be a typical media response to pen testers, that they're the jacks of all trades, that they're the human Swiss army knives. For example, Elliot Alderson seems to always know a little bit about everything, or whatever the plot of Mr. Robot demands. And there are some people like that in real life. They do exist. In episode 15, though, I talked with Kim Crowley about how to become a pen tester and what skills you might need. And she, too, said it's more realistic to specialize. That's where Tiberius did. He found something, and he honed his skills— in an area that worked best for him
1: and there's no there's no reason why you would go, do one more than the other it's it's entirely up to you um i just decided you know what i don't really like doing internal stuff it's kind of boring it's kind of samey uh, i much prefer trying to hack into web applications and, and see what i can do there so that's where i've spent pretty much the last eight years um Almost exclusively doing web applications.
0: One advantage to doing web application testing is that, well, you don't have to physically be on site. This web page is available anywhere via the internet. And as a professional hacker, you should be able to access what you need from your own home. I mean, the bad actors aren't necessarily inside the corporate headquarters. That said, for a more thorough pen test, Tiberius's company, well, they send out these devices with tools that he can access remotely.
1: So most of the apps I test are over the internet, um, but like I said, White uh, Oak Security is an entirely remote company. We don't actually have a headquarters. Um, I, th- I think I think the headquarters is technically the CEO's house, but yeah. uh, <laughs> um, we're, we're entirely remote. So what we what we have is a bunch of uh, network devices. We call them Nux. Um, and we, they have basically a version of Kali installed on them with a bunch of uh, tools that we use. We, we send them over to a customer. They plug them into the network. They're basically entirely encrypted, um, and they, they call home to a central server, mm-hmm. um, and that's how we connect into their environments. Uh, so, yeah, I do a lot of internal testing as well, but we all do it remote. I think there were like three instances last year where people had to go on site, um, but most of the time it we seem to be able to do everything remotely. Um, and I think that's probably the way the industry is shifting these days anyway.
0: So again, deconstructing this Elliot Alderson image of a highly romanticized view of what a hacker or a pen tester might look like on TV versus what a pen tester actually does in real life. Given that each client has its own scope and different areas where they want work to be done, what might a generic assignment look like for Tiberius?
1: Yeah, I mean it does vary. So obviously, the first thing we do is a scoping call, um, where we we usually get the the customer to to go over the web app in in some degree of detail. Um, it Usually lasts you know any anywhere between fifteen to thirty minutes. Um, I'm trying to get them really to just show me the the complex stuff um, because obviously the, the the main issue with testing web apps is the the devs and the people who've used them. Um, already know how to operate these web apps. Uh, but I'm coming in almost completely blind. I've never seen this app before. It might be, you know, and I'm testing stuff like insurance apps, you know, where there might be some weird series of forms and, you know, I'm not an insurance guy. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so that's um, it, that's honestly very important to know how to use the web app because ultimately you, you need to know which inputs are correct in order to kind of try and mess with those inputs. Um, You need to get a positive result that you know is a a correct result before you could even try and attempt anything security related. Um, So that's how I approach that. Um, In terms of the actual testing, um, the first thing is enumeration always. So effectively, that's opening Burp Suite. It's going through the application. Usually, it's the highest level user I have. Um, basically, just clicking around. The, the first maybe like three or four hours of any test is just me trying to use the application, um, and I'll make sort of mental notes. And sometimes I'll, I'll type notes on my uh, on my laptop about you know certain things I've seen. You know, if there's if there's a file upload, for instance, you know that's that's a huge red flag. Um, so I'll make a note of that. Um, if there's anything that particularly strikes me uh, um, as potentially a security risk. You know, we're talking about fields that seem like, okay, yeah, they could potentially be SQL injectable or, you know, they're they're using numeric IDs, so that could be, you know, open to IDOR attacks. Um, But that's mostly the first, like, three to four hours of doing that. And then I'll start actually going through and looking more in in detail in the actual requests that were captured um, in Burp. Uh, and I'll try and see. Okay, well, I'll try and actually attack these things um, and start fuzzing stuff. Um, and yeah, honestly, yeah, it depends entirely on the application. If if I have just one user account, um, I'll do some basic authorization testing. Basically, you know, trying to access stuff logged out that I you know can only access logged in. Uh, if there are multiple user accounts, it gets <laughs> way more complicated. Um, Authorization testing is just a nightmare, but, uh, (laughs) almost every time there's multiple user accounts, I found, um, sorry, multiple user roles. I found authorization issues. Um, it's, I think it's number one in the OWASP top 10 right now for a very good reason. Uh, it's just, it's, and I, I get it. It's, it's extremely difficult to implement, um, for developers. So I don't blame them at all, but yeah. Um, other than that, you know, there's there's a, the other stuff that uh, we test for. You know, the, things like HTTP request smuggling, uh, which is is still a thing these days, um, and and other things like you know testing the SSL and TLS configuration. So it's a it's a wide variety of stuff we'll test for. <laughs>
0: Earlier, I mentioned a few of the ways you can hack a website. And these are categorized in the current OWASP top 10 list. It provides guidance and how to mitigate against these more common flaws. But I'm wondering, as a pen tester, if there were times when Tiberius might say to himself, if only the developers had done this dot dot dot. Yeah, so
1: I have I have a beef with the OWASP top 10 because I feel like it the way it started out it was the, it was the top 10 vulnerabilities in web apps and that was fine and I don't even, I don't even necessarily blame them but it seemed like everybody seemed to take the OWASP top 10 as the only 10 vulnerabilities in web apps and you know I I don't want to blame OWASP for doing that I mean I, I they they were doing you know Top 10 is great, you know, because it's like, yeah, you should definitely fix these top 10. But the fact is, yeah, there's there's hundreds of exploits in web apps. And so what's happened over the years is instead of it being the top 10 vulnerabilities, they've kind of just slowly morphed into the top 10 categories. And I think they've done that because they know that everybody sees it as, oh, Every, you know, every exploits in this in this top ten, um, and so yeah, I, I think these days maybe every exploit can be covered by the os top ten, like in terms of categories, but you know it, it just becomes silly when you've got injection as a single category, because yeah, a- SQL injection is is still around. Uh, it's not as common as uh, XSS, which is now in. The injection category, which I actually think is a good idea, JavaScript injection um, is a much better name for cross-site scripting. Um, but cross-site scripting is everywhere; SQL injection less so. And the fact that they're in the in the same category together is kind of silly. Um, and you also have them with LDAP injection and command injection as well, which you know are still there but so rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think honestly. It, if you are a developer, the the best thing you can do definitely look into the OWASP Top Ten and definitely drill down into the categories. Um, but there are so many other things you can do. There are de- there are secure coding courses that you can take, um, and they will teach you you know uh, a, a lot of different not even just the vulnerabilities, but just you know okay, here's how you should definitely code these things. Right? Um, th- this is how you should start out because honestly. You you shouldn't need a pen test of a web application if you've gone through a secure coding course. Of course, you should do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> don't put me out of a job. But um, if if you go if you have all your developers do secure coding and you hammer that into them, then you'll you'll be able to do the pen test and you should have you know minimal things you need to fix at the end because you are fix you'll effectively fixing the bugs at the start. Um, by telling the devs, you know, this is how we code things. This is how you do it securely. And I also think there's other resources. Um, obviously, there's the the
0: CWEs, right? The Common Weakness Enumeration, a list of common coding flaws that developers should look for. There are automated tools within static analysis solutions that flag these as they parse through the individual lines of code. A huge list of of CWEs, uh, which are basically
1: uh, it, individual web application vulnerabilities. Um, technically, they, they span regular applications as well. Um, but yeah, the, the C, C, CWs are into like the thousands now in terms of the, the numbers. Um, and so definitely look through those. There are a few good ideas in there as well. Uh, but I think that the main thing is definitely educating developers on secure coding practices just to make sure that, you know, those SQL injections just never even come up in the first place.
0: So how do developers get educated on this? Well, Tiberius, he teaches best practices from things that he's learned. He has a Twitch channel, and he also has a YouTube channel. I find it great that people in the industry want to give back. So what was the trigger point for Tiberius to begin giving back to the community?
1: Um, Yeah, so it was in 2017, I managed to get through most of my career without even doing the OSCP, which seems weird now. But um, back when I joined the industry, it just wasn't needed. Um, however, I, I was working in a company. We had a training budget. My manager, you know, is, do you want to do anything? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do the OSCP, you know, whatever. Um, and so I was studying for that. Um, and I joined a Discord server called InfoSec Prep. Um, and I was basically just, you know, it was a good community. It was focused on, Hey, you know, we're not going to like tell you what to do, but everybody can like work together and, and, and solve problems and, and help each other out. Uh, so it was a really, really good community. I made a lot of friends there. Uh, eventually I became uh, an admin of that community. Mm-hmm. I still am. Uh, it's grown to like, I think it's like 30,000 users now, but the whole point of it was to, to help people through OSCP. And I kept seeing um, people get tripping up on privilege escalation, especially.
0: So for someone who's not familiar with the OSCP, what are some of the subject areas that you might expect to know? And who would most likely benefit from even taking the exam? Uh,
1: So the OSCP course, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, it's a kind of very hands-off course in terms of they will give you... um, they will give you the basics, but they expect you to go off and learn stuff uh, yourself and, and Google things. And they've gotten a little bit better with the the second version where they released a lot more slides um, and information. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that approach. I think if you're gonna teach a course and do an exam, you should probably you know teach everything that's gonna be in the exam. Uh, so a lot of people were getting tripped up by privilege escalation. And at the time I'd passed my OSCP, and i figured you know what i'll i'll write a couple of privilege escalation courses and i'll just go through you know the the basics and do sort of a deep dive into a few of them and effectively sell them as hey you know if you if you study these you're not necessarily gonna pass the ocp but you'll be prepared for whatever you find in the exam uh and so yeah a lot of people had asked you know took me to do that. So I did, and I, I put them on Udemy and I got, you know, they got extremely popular. So um, I can't remember how many students now, I think it's near 20,000 um, have, have, have got the courses. Uh, and yeah, so I started, that, that, was, that was just huge. Uh, and a few of my friends uh, started streaming on Twitch, doing hacking content. And so last year I started doing that as well. Um, and that was, you know, that, that's gotten a lot, a lot more attention now. Uh, and you know, it's, it's quite fun. (laughs) So it's, it's stressful sometimes because, you know, you're solving these CTF boxes. And if anyone's tried to solve a CTF box, uh, you know, it can, it can take hours and you're just tearing your hair out and. You know, I'm doing it in front of an audience, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, it's kind of daunting. Uh, and obviously, you know, I make mistakes and a lot of people have said, you know, I, I don't want to start streaming because, you know, I'll, I'm making all these mistakes. And I think my response to that is that just do it anyway, because, you know, if anything, it just shows, yeah, even people who've been in the industry for 10 years can still make dumb mistakes and just miss kind of obvious stuff. And it's not it's not a problem. Um, but, yeah, that's that's gotten quite big. Uh, I'm, I have a YouTube channel as well where I, I upload um the recordings of the streams to that as well. Um, so, yeah, and I'm currently working on a, um, a web, app, web app testing course, actually, that should be released uh, later this year. It was, originally, it was sold as sort of an entry level um, penetration testing exam. Uh, there's some argument about whether it is entry level or whether it's slightly above entry level. Um, but effectively, the, the the course is supposed to teach basic penetration testing skills, um, and it does, it does take a more manual approach, which is good because you should know the manual um, approaches to these things. Uh, so it'll teach you how to scan networks. It'll teach you how to enumerate certain services. Uh, it'll teach some web skills like SQL injection, for example. Um, it'll teach buffer overflows even though the buffer overflow section isn't that good these days because it's. I believe they use thirty-two bit uh, buffer overflows, which um, you know <laughs> is is pretty old. Um, and more recently, they've they've got Active Directory in there as well. So obviously, if if and I think that was important uh, because for for years the OCP didn't have anything to do with Active Directory. They didn't even cover it, um, and so you have these pen testers taking the OCP. Joining a company and then facing this, you know, almost every internal is is in a Windows network right. with Active Directory, and that's daunting. You know, I I really still don't understand Active Directory, and I, you know, I've been in the industry for more than ten years, so it's it's complicated. Um, so I'm glad they did that eventually. I think they were kind of forced to do it by a bunch of the other certificates that came along. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's the main um, sort of goal of the OCP is to teach these basic skills for pen testing. Uh, a lot of entry level pen testing positions require it um, for good reason. I think um, it at least shows that you've 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 gone through this exam uh, and you've managed to actually you know demonstrate your skills. Right. Um, so I think that's probably it's it, it's definitely aimed at people who. Want to be pen testers, um, but at the same time, because it's such a, a manual kind of focused thing, uh, you will you will need more skills. Obviously, if you if you do come into the industry, and you'll you'll eventually end up using tools that just aren't allowed on the OSCP. Um, like no nobody really does manual SQL injection anymore. We all just use SQL Map, um, and it's just because it's much easier, <laughs> um, and you know it's quicker as well.
0: There are some places on the oscp exam where tools are allowed and so tiberius well he created his own such as Autorecon.
1: yes uh so this was i created it for my oscp um so part of a big part of the oscp is enumeration um by that i mean you know doing port scans of the environment figuring out which services are running and then doing various uh, other enumeration steps on those services. Um, And it's extremely boring if you're doing it manually. uh, And it's extremely time consuming if you're doing it manually. Um, And automating enumeration was never banned on the exam. It was always sort of, automating exploitation was. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, you could automate your enumeration if you wanted to. And at the time I did the exam, there were like three main tools. Um, out there being used, there was recon scan, there was B scan, and there was I can't ever pronounce this right, but I think it was a Reconnoitre. It's a, I think it was a French uh, tool, but they were all kind of okay. I I liked them, uh, but I didn't I didn't like everything about them. And so what I figured I would do is you know take the hard route and <laughs> write one myself. So so. I kind of, the first attempt at it was um, effectively kind of taking code from all those three tools and kind of merging it into one tool. Um, And so I did that, Uh, I named it auto recon uh, and I used that on my RCP exam and a bunch of other people did. And they said, you know, that it was really helpful because they could pretty much just give it the four IP addresses that you had for targets and let it do its thing. And while it was running, they, you would do the, the buffer overflow box. So the OSCP exam used to just like basically be four, four boxes and a buffer overflow. Uh, and the buffer overflow didn't need any scanning on it. You could just go ahead and attack that. So the strategy was run alt or recon, and while that's running, get the buffer overflow. And then once you've done that, you'll come back to a bunch of scans. Uh, so yeah, that got pretty popular. Um, but because I wrote it, Effectively, kind of during my OCP, it wasn't very good. Um, so I was always kind of like, like it was. It was a popular tool and everybody loved it, but I kind of hated it because <laughs> I was like, well, I did this wrong and I did this wrong and I did this wrong. So last year, I I, I rewrote the entire thing from scratch uh, using a completely different system, and now it has like a plugin system and everything. So I I, I like it now. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a good tool myself, so uh, I'm
0: pretty proud of that accomplishment. So years ago, the OSCP wasn't required. Now it is. So are there other certs that you can get today that are similarly required? Uh, OSCP is definitely the big one, um, but I think
1: there there's definitely been some movement in the industry recently. Uh, OffSec's been getting uh, a bit of flack. they used to be the cert where. You know, compared to SANS, where SANS had like a $5,000 cert and OSCP was like $1,000, um, for what you got, uh, it was a really good deal. However, they seem, they seem to have, and I don't, I don't necessarily think this is the case, but um, a lot of people have accused them of sort of money grabbing um, and increasing the prices for no real good reason, uh, especially in terms of retakes. So there, have been, there has been a, a movement in the industry. Um, a lot of other competitors have come in and have offered sort of uh, competitive deals, I guess. So you've got TCM Academy's PMPT, um, which is effectively an OSCP-like exam. Um, however, they definitely go into more detail. Uh, so there is OSINT stuff, for example. Um, there, there's Active Directory stuff as well which obviously is in the OSCP now as well uh, but I think the main differentiator there is uh, they, they, take, they get you to write a report and then they will do a, like a half an hour readout call um, where they will go over the report with you and ask questions and see how you respond and I think that's extremely important as well because a lot of people come into this industry and come into pen testing and think you know yay I get to hack stuff But, you know, yeah, that's kind of what you're being paid for, but not really. Like, the people aren't paying for a pen test, they're paying for a report. Uh, And so, you have to be able to write a good report, and you also have to be able to defend the report on a readout call. Uh, Almost every single one of the tests that I do, we have a readout call at least like a week or two later. and the customer may have questions about certain things. They may argue certain findings. I've definitely had instances where a customer said, yeah, you've marked this as high. We think it's a medium. Uh, and I have to basically defend why it's a high. Uh, but I think that's really important. So I'm glad that they're doing that. Uh, but also eLearn Security as well uh, have a few good courses and exams. Uh, and I know they've, uh, their prices are pretty competitive as well.
0: Okay. If the OSCP, which is a pretty grueling exam, is beginner level, what are some of the more advanced levels out there? I don't want to uh mess it up, but it's
1: it's OS it might be OSCE or OSE. Um it does have like a a level above the OSCP, uh, which I've heard is good. But in other terms there's so um there's the CRTP. The certified Red Team professional, um, which is a heavily um, Active Directory exam, which I've actually taken that, uh, and so I think that's that was actually a very good uh, a very good course, a very good exam, uh, extremely hands on. There, like it's I think there's like 24 hours of video, uh, and the the instructor is is very well known um, in the community, especially for like Active Directory stuff. So that's that's a course I would definitely recommend. Um, and there's also there's a there's a course above that, and I cannot remember the name of it. Um, but it effectively takes the active directory stuff to a, to a new level. Um, so that's really where I would go if you if you want to do sort of internal things, for um, web applications, there's a few other courses. eLearn Security has uh, a few web application um, exams. And Portswigger, uh, the the creators of Burp Suite, um, they actually have a new exam um, as of last year. Uh, so that and that I've heard is very challenging. That's my one of my goals for this year is just to to do that. I haven't even attempted it yet, but um, I've I've been putting it off for too long. I think so. <laughs> I'm going to have to get that one.
0: So I've heard that people outside computer sciences are really good in InfoSec. For example, I discussed this in greater detail in episode 44, where the Sands Institute is deliberately looking to hire people without CS degrees into the InfoSec world, people like me. For one thing, we don't necessarily know the rules, which makes it easier to think outside the box. Also, we bring to the industry real-world knowledge of how software is actually used, not how it was intended to be used. So I'm wondering if people outside of having a CS degree would perhaps consider pen testing as a career.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's it's kind of complicated, I think. It, it, it really depends on the company. Um, so a lot of companies will require some kind of degree. Um, back back when I joined, yeah, you definitely needed a degree at least. Um, I have one in computer science, and I have a master's in information security. Um, but I think that's kind of overkill. So uh, I would I would say this: uh, a degree in computer science isn't going to be a, a disadvantage. Um, you know, it's it's going to teach you some some stuff about computers at least. You know, a lot of the computer science courses are kind of awful. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll give you a base level of knowledge. Um, nothing really to do with security or anything, but at least you'll understand core concepts. Uh, but in terms of it, I mean, if, if you, if you can't, if you're in the situation where you just can't get a degree, um, for whatever reason, uh, I would definitely recommend doing bug bounties. Um, and honestly, there's, there's so much information out there, uh, online for free. Uh, if we're talking like Hacktricks Tricks is a great website, um, which basically just a massive brain dump of several um pen testers and uh payloads all the things on GitHub also is a really good resource. And if you start reading through those and you start doing CTFs, uh and you start doing bug bounties, um, I think that is experience in my in my book. And I actually know a guy who who got in who got a pen testing job straight out of college. Um I think even before he graduated, actually, uh, and the main reason was he he got into bug bounties and just started finding everything. It was in like the top fifty in Bug Crowd, uh, so you know it it definitely counts uh, for experience. And I think it's um, it's definitely something that you should try.
0: Yeah, that's all well and good, but again, I think coming at it from outside the box has some value.
1: Yeah, potentially, um, a lot of a lot of pen testing is problem solving. Uh, so if you have good problem-solving skills, then certainly. Uh, and if you're able to look at things a different way, uh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think these days a degree is absolutely necessary. I think the problem is there's a disconnect between reality and HR um, <laughs> in terms of what HR think uh, people need to do this job and what people actually need.
0: And of course, as a working pen tester, Tiberius, he's got war stories, or at least one good one that he likes to share.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think I've told this one in a few, in a few interviews before, and it's, it's, it's almost half cheating because this was, this was an ASP app. So not even ASPX. Uh, It was like a legacy app they still had online. Um, I think this was back in 2016 though. So it's, it's (laughs) <laughs> Still pretty, um, pretty recent. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, an SQL injection that I found, and uh, basically, yeah, I think uh, Burp Suite flagged it, and it flagged it using Collaborator. Uh, so effectively, it it sent some. I think it was uh, XP directory, uh, which uh, caused a, a DNS lookup on the Collaborator server. And um, so I thought, okay, that's interesting. And so I, I checked that out. I was doing a bunch of SQL injection with SQL Map, so I was, I was able to dump a few things, basically using time-based exploits. Um, but then I came back to the whole, you know, oh, XP directory is is working. I wonder if XP command shell does as well. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically a really bizarre feature in uh, SQL Server where you can execute system commands. And lo and behold, yeah, they turned that on
0: for some reason. I've heard this from other pen testers as well. Oftentimes, it comes down to just misconfigured tools. If only the site administrator or the developer had configured it properly, they wouldn't be sitting in that position. Uh, <laughs> so
1: that was fun. Um, and the the only issue with it is obviously it was a blind SQL injection, um, so I could cause I could cause a sleep, um, and I could extract information that way. But that was extremely slow. Um, so I wanted to try and extract information another way, and I knew I had a DNS lookup available. Right, I could I could cause the server to do DNS requests. Um, I tried at least getting some kind of remote connection, but it seemed like every single port um, was blocked. So I couldn't even connect out on 53. The only reason DNS was working is because the collaborator server in burp suite is uses an authoritative domain for itself. Um, so effectively any DNS request will hit that, uh, even if it's routed through, you know, 1.1.1.1. Um, and so what i what I figured was PowerShell was also on this box.
0: Okay. PowerShell. That's an open source command line interface based tool that allows developers, IT administrators, and DevOps to automate tasks and configurations using code.
1: Um, and so I very quickly, over the course of like maybe an hour and a half, um, I wrote a PowerShell script that was, oh, well, it had to be one line because this was an SQL injection in um, the URL. So I wrote a PowerShell script in one line which executed a system command. Um, Converted the result into hex characters, split the hex characters into sixty-four byte chunks, and then just did a bunch of DNS requests, appending sorry prepending each of those results onto the burp collaborator domain, um, and so <laughs> effectively the first time I run I run that and I run like who am I, um, and I get this DNS request i I take the first 60 well, the first uh, hex characters off the domain I decode them and it's uh, the system account so <laughs> so not only do I have command execution via this sQL injection but I'm doing it as system uh so that was that's probably the, honestly i that's where I peaked unfortunately that's the that's the greatest exploit i've I've ever come across because it was I call it like a, it was a super blind SQL injection to RCE because you know it wasn't even like I could I could I really couldn't do it via a timed attack. It would have taken too long. Uh, the fact that I had to trigger all these DNS requests um, and the fact that I had to create a one-line PowerShell script that I had to insert into an SQL injection. You know, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's never going to come up again, is it? So that's the only story I, I can ever tell.
0: I feel like. <laughs> I'd like to thank Tiberius for coming on the show and talking about web application security pen testing and how, in particular, he got into the field and some of the stuff he's been able to find. I'd also like to call out his Twitch channel and his YouTube channel and keep an eye out for his occasional trainings. And if you want to download some of the tools he's created, they're over at github.com slash Tiberius. That's Tiberius with a three in it. I have so many stories about hackers who are making a positive difference in the world. I don't want you to miss out. And be sure to check out Error Code, my new podcast that focuses on IoT and embedded security. Error Code is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep this conversation going. DM me at robertvamosi at infosec.exchange on Mastodon or at robertvamosi on Twitter. And tell me what you like and even what you don't. The Hacker Mine is brought to you commercial-free by For All Secure. For The Hacker Mine, I'm Robert Famosi.